0: Dear people of God, let's return to Luke 2. If you could open there again, we'll be looking at the whole passage 1 through 20. Really, the essence of the good news of great joy. Verse 7. Luke 2, verse 7, page 1018. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. This is God's word. May he bless us and build our faith by it. I want to tell this story from Luke 2, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ about the day God came to Bethlehem. That he was placed in a manger, first of all. He was hailed by angels. He was seen, witnessed by shepherds. Those three parts of Luke 2, 1 through 20. He was placed in a manger to reveal his humility. A young couple was making its 150-kilometer trek over rugged hill country from Nazareth south to Bethlehem. She's about eight months pregnant. Her name is Mary. She's betrothed to Joseph, the son of David. There seems to be a discrepancy. Matthew says Joseph has taken her as his wife. Luke says Mary is Joseph's betrothed. But those two are in agreement... Because in Jewish custom, they're in their second stage of betrothal. They've made vows as husband and wife, but not yet finalized the marriage and not consummated it. So she's still betrothed, though she is his wife. And this pregnant lady, the Virgin Mary, is carrying God. Incredible. God in her womb. God in the flesh is being jostled and tossed to and fro as they go over hills and valleys over the hill country to Bethlehem. An amazing miracle has happened to Mary. She's still a virgin, but the eternal Son of God is hibernating in her womb as her very own child. What child is this? Well, you know how it happened, right? By the Holy Spirit's power, without the involvement of a human father, the eternal Son of God created for himself a real human being from Mary and added a human nature to his divine person. So now he's two. He's God and man. Not two persons, two natures. One person, the Son of God but he's added a human nature to his divine person. And he, God in the flesh, has nestled safely inside her as her very own flesh and blood, almighty God, who created the world and carries the whole world in his hands is now a creature at the same time being carried in the womb of her mother Mary, supported by Joseph. King of kings, Lord of lords, eternal Son, our God, before whom every knee must bow, living quietly, hidden in Mary's womb, likely known only to Mary and Joseph. We don't know what they told their parents. Bounced over hills and valleys on their way to Bethlehem. Why? Why the 150-kilometer trek? Well, because the Emperor of the Rome, of Rome, the world's most powerful man, said so. He made a decree. Everyone register for a census in his hometown. Why? Because he wants to keep track of everyone. Why? Taxes? That shouldn't surprise us. Every able-bodied male and female between thirteen and sixty-two was expected to pay a silver denarius. Well, why not just participate in the census where you lived? Why make everybody go to their own hometown? Likely for administrative reasons, since every town recorded its births. It already had a registry, and the government wouldn't have to make new ones. And this was a better way to track people down. So put a big burden on the people that had to travel, but it made life easier for Caesar. After all, that's what it's all about. And it was a burden. It was a burden for Mary, Joseph, and the baby. Even Jesus participated in this burden as an unborn baby. He's already on his Via Dolorosa, his road of suffering. For us. He came to suffer for us. So that we could be redeemed from our suffering. And our suffering can lead us to glory rather than to ruin. It's good news. This already is good news. Of course, Caesar doesn't know he's God's pawn. God's using Caesar's tyrannical powers to fulfill divine prophecy that says that when Messiah comes, he must be born in Bethlehem. The prophet Micah said so. So Caesar, big guy, Merry Christmas. We're going to use you. He's adopted the title Didi Filius, son of God. But who's Lord of all? Baby Jesus in the womb directing Caesar's affairs. Directing directing the traffic of the Roman Empire. Because Jesus is establishing a kingdom. He's a king. He's establishing a kingdom that eventually is going to undo Rome. Not by military power, but by gospel love. It's an amazing story. Lord, you hold the mightiest rulers in your hand. Open our eyes to see your invisible hand working through our world today. It can be very hard to see and make sense of the junk, the war, the corruption, wickedness. But if Christ can rule Caesar from the womb, what do you think he can do from the throne? So they reached Bethlehem and while they're there, the time came for Mary to give birth. Verse 7, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The, The word for inn is actually guest room. They came to a home in Bethlehem, maybe the home of a relative, we don't know. The guest room's already full. You guys go out back. the stall, the cave, the stable, whatever it is, where we keep our donkey and ox and our beasts of burden. The sheep would be out there, but that's where the beasts of burden were kept that we might need to pack up the next day and go somewhere. You guys go back there. So in that room, meant for animals, the young virgin gives birth to her firstborn baby, and it's a boy, God in our flesh. He came down to earth and he made his first appearance in the little town of Bethlehem in a stable of some kind or a cave wrapped in strips of linen to support him, keep his body warm, and placed in a manger, a feeding trough for oxen and donkeys. Now couldn't God have found a more reverent way to come into our world? This hurts our spiritual sensitivities. What kind of God is this? How could he stoop this low? I'm sure that if we had been there, we would have this opinion. This is not proper at all. Disrespectful, we say in English. On we say in Dutch. That's not the honor that we should show our Lord. Because we're respectful people and we want our Lord to be respectful because that keeps everything at a higher level. Dignity, you know, where we should all be. This is where God wanted to be. This is what he arranged. It's a sign. It's a visible witness of who he is and what he came to do. He came to lower himself into our place. A place really much lower than a manger. We're much lower than a manger in our sin we're on death row. We're under God's death sentence, sliding toward eternal punishment. And that's where Jesus is heading. He's going down, down, down. He's not stopping at a manger. He's going from a manger to a cross, from swaddling cloths to grave clothes. That's where he's heading. This is just the beginning of his humility because he's coming all the way down to us. Are we offended by his lowly arrival? Many are. This is degrading. I want a savior who lifts me up and makes me feel good and treats me with respect, someone I can climb up to, not somebody that I have to humble myself down to. But when God came down to Bethlehem, his message for us that day was, I'm coming down the whole way to get you because you are low. You are far, far down. And since you can't climb up to me, not even a step, you're dead in your sin. I'm coming down all the way to you. Can you accept the truth of the manger for yourself? Can I for myself? The message is we're deep down, far gone in our sin and misery. We're wretched. We're lost very, very low in rebellion and shame and hatred of God and and one another, hopelessly stuck in deep hole, a deep hole of lust, anger, self-righteousness, pride, self-love, addiction, gossip, abusiveness, demons, whatever. And today I say, Lord, I confess I am far down in my sin. Thank you. Thank you. That you didn't come partway and say, I'm not going that low. you got to come the rest of the way to me. Thank you that you didn't do that. You didn't come halfway. You didn't come partway. You came the whole way. And this is just the beginning. You're going the rest of the way. You're going to hell for me. That's what he did. That's why he came. This is a sign. We're going to tell the shepherds later. This is a sign that Jesus... A savior has been born to you. What good news and comfort. I don't have to climb up to God. I can't, because he came down to me. Lord, this is where I need you to be. Secondly, he was hailed by angels to reveal his glory. It's placed in a manger to reveal his humility, hailed by angels to reveal his glory. So far, it's God's best kept secret, known maybe only to those two people, Mary and Joseph, who this is. But God's the ultimate missionary, and he can't keep good news quiet. He won't. And again, he chose an unlikely way to publicize the good news to the world He sent an angel to give the first birth announcement of his son to shepherds, verse 8, in that same region who were out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. God chose these low class men who were despised in that culture, dirty, had no little or no standing in Jewish society, they were going to be his first witnesses. Lord, could you not send somebody a little cleaner? a little higher class, a little more dignified to tell me about Jesus? While well, these men heard two angel messages The first angel message, verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The glory of the Lord comes down. Usually that's bad news. Judgment. We're going to get punished for our sins. We deserve that. But no, fear not. I'm coming with good news of great joy for all the people. What's the joyful news? Unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. The good news in four parts. Number one, the Savior. A Savior has been born to you. Gabriel has already told what kind of savior. Not so much a savior from the Romans, but you shall give him the name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. You mean somebody to rescue us from our sins which separate us from God and make us worthy of damnation? so that we can be reconciled to God, we can be made right with God, and we can have fellowship with God and live with God forever? Yes. Yes. A Savior. Take us from the depths of hell to the heights of heaven by taking our place. Secondly, He is Christ the Lord. And Christ means anointed one or Messiah. He's the son of David, the good king we've all been waiting for, who will save all sinners who repent, crush those who will not repent, who refuse to turn to him, and one day usher us into a perfect world of righteousness and peace. Aren't we all looking for that world? And then a new guy becomes the leader, or a new lady becomes the leader, and we got our hopes set on him, and it's such a disappointment. And then we all go rah-rah after the next guy, and the next one, and the next party, and this is the one. Whoever embraces this Christ as your king, he will already make you a new creation now, and you'll experience the beginning of joy, eternal joy in your life, but one day, perfect blessedness and peace such as no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has the mind of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. It's in the Christ, the anointed one, the king. Thirdly, he's the Lord. That's a divine title. Like we just read about the angel of the Lord, but this is not the... Christ of the Lord, this is Christ the Lord. He is the Lord. He's not of the Lord. He is the Lord. He's divine. He's God. Divinely powerful, divinely perfect, divinely good, flawless. Just the Savior you need. As a refuge for your needy, weary, worried life. This is the one that's not going to disappoint you ever. Ever. God has come to you. And then that's the fourth. He has been born. The Savior, who's Christ the Lord, has been born to you. Now, he could have made that announcement to the chief priests and the Bible teachers in Jerusalem in an official worship service. But again, I don't know what the Lord is up to. But he does it to shepherds, low-class guys, despised, in a field. I'm not going to talk about what's all there in the field, but not all of it's clean. At night, how undignified to begin your royal campaign this way. But that's the whole point. God is giving himself to you, the lowest. Wherever you are, whatever situation you're in. To us, a child is born, Isaiah nine. To us, a son is given. He's not out of reach from sinners. God doesn't bring him so close to say, I'm oh, sorry, not for you. Not your, you're, you're not his type. He says to the shepherds, to you. And he says that to the shepherds. He says it to you. This is really the free offer of the gospel. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, anyone thirsts, anyone, let him come to me and drink. Are you thirsty for the forgiveness of sins? Are you thirsty for a new start in your life? Are you thirsty for the renewal of your faith because you've been backsliding? Are you thirsty for God to love you? Are you thirsty for God to hold you? Come to Jesus. And he will save you and he'll lift you up. And then look at verse 12. Here's the sign, says the angel, that the Savior's been born born to you. Oh, he must be in a golden crib somewhere with a nice little jeweled crown on his head. Such a one as this. The sign is in some ways such a letdown. You'll find a baby wrapped in swathing cloths and lying in a manger. Wait, that doesn't agree with the news you just told us. It does agree, right? We've already said that. How can he save us from our sins if he doesn't enter into that sin and destroy it? If he doesn't come low. He's available. He's accessible. A lowly savior for lowly sinners, lowly shepherds. Okay, so that's the first angel message to the shepherds. Then comes the second angel message, verse 13. Suddenly, a whole multitude of angels joined that one angel. Multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. And saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He's pleased. These are probably the most common words on Christmas cards and maybe the most unthought of. But have you taken time to think about what this army of angels is shouting across the night skies outside Bethlehem on the day that Christ came down, God came down? Well, all they're doing is saying amen to what the first angel said, they're responding to the arrival of the Savior Jesus Christ on earth. What does his arrival mean? Two things, glory to God, peace on earth. Glory to God. This baby is going to bring much glory to God by demonstrating his love for sinners. God has demonstrated his love for us in this way, Romans 5 verse 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He came to glorify God by demonstrating his love. Secondly, he came to glorify God By redeeming a people for God from every tribe and language and nation. In Him we have, says Ephesians 1, we're predestined in Him. We have adoption in Him. We have forgiveness of sins in Him. We have redemption in Him. But it keeps saying, to the praise of God's glorious grace. It's glory to God in the highest. And then what's Jesus going to do with us when he saves us and gathers us? It's for my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Bear fruit. Glory to God in the highest. Jesus has come to fill the heavens with joy, rejoicing like God is rejoicing and the angels are rejoicing when one sinner repents. Glory to God and... Peace on earth among those with whom God is pleased. Jesus will also have a powerful impact on earth. Those who receive this Jesus as their savior and king, those who are saved by God's grace through faith, you will know God's pleasure. He is pleased with you. You will know peace with God. You'll know peace in your hearts. And you'll even know peace in your relationship with people with people through the gospel, because the gospel brings people of precious faith together and helps them tear down old enmities through repentance and faith. The gospel of Christ, the Christ himself, is powerful in bringing peace. Again, to me, one of the greatest descriptions is Israelis and Arabs, united by faith in Jesus Christ, worshiping together in the same congregation. There's nothing that can do that but Christ. But then the same miracle is just us being a family. How can there be peace between us? And when that peace gets troubled, how can that be restored except through Jesus? While God has come down to Bethlehem and things are going to change, history's been invaded by heaven, Jesus is going to reconcile all things to himself and make all things new through the blood of the cross. Whoever believes in Jesus will participate in this peace and become a peacemaker. One more thing, he was seen by shepherds who tell his story. Placed in a manger to reveal his humility, Hailed by angels to reveal his glory and seen by shepherds to tell his story. Verses 15 and 16, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, oh, just another angel message. It's back to work, guys. No, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Five ways in which they're witnesses. First, they hear the good news. The angel told them. Second, they rush to the scene of the good news. Is that how we respond to the message of Jesus? Let's make haste to see his glory and worship in the scriptures. They rush to the scene of the good news. Third, they see the good news, and it's just as they were told. It's real. God came. Luke is the historian we read in chapter one who went out and interviewed eyewitnesses. He talked to some of these guys, he got it firsthand. They saw it. They hear the good news. They rush to the scene of the good news. They see the good news. They tell it. Oh, I love that. They tell the good news. Verse 17, when they saw it, what did they do? They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They made it known to whom? Next verse. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. They're talking to Mary at the manger. Guess what the angels told us? And she's treasuring and pondering. Wow. This confirms what the angel told me. What's he going to be? But everybody they meet, they're telling as well. So Mary's treasuring and pondering and everybody else is wondering, what is this? What is going on? What is God doing? And they're the first evangelists. As it says, they told this news, the saying. And the saying is good news of great joy, which is evangelizo in the Greek. So they're the first one to pass along the evangelizo, the evangel, the gospel. They're the first evangelists. These guys. A shepherd's witness was not accepted, testimony not accepted in a court of law. they had a bad reputation if somebody's making this up they're not going to have shepherds as their first witnesses God does things backwards in our minds he's the God of surprises shocking surprises and these become the first evangelists the simple point is if they can go and tell about Jesus how about us I bet we have more eloquence than they. We certainly have more Bible knowledge than they. We have more education than they. We have more communication technology than they. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere that Jesus Christ is born. And the last thing, they live the good news. And the shepherds returned. Verse 20, glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen as it had been told them. What do they do with the good news? They go back to the job. Jesus doesn't take you away from your life and important work. He doesn't say, now that I've come, let the sheep starve. Quit your plumbing job. Stop fixing people's cars. That stuff is balderdash now. He sends you back. But in an elevated way, because life is totally changed when you have seen Jesus. You farm with new eyes. You work with new hands, serving the Lord now, not men and not money. Your mind thinks of new things. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. How can I glorify God now, today on the job? Everything changes. So they lived the good news. Taking care of sheep was a new job for them, even though it was an old job. Because when you meet Jesus, life is made new. This is an invasion. God came down to Bethlehem. That's history changing, world changing, and life changing. Let every heart prepare him room. Receive him as your king. He'll save you from your sins. He'll replace fear with peace, sadness with joy, and make everything new in your life. Not easy, but new. The old medieval poem says, Though Christ a thousand times in Bethlehem be born, if he's not born in you, your heart is still forlorn. Has he been born in you? By faith, trust him. Give your life to him, this God who came down for you. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the good news. Thank you that you've brought it to us, you've not kept it a secret. Thank you for the manger. Thank you for the shepherds. Thank you for the angel and the angels, for Mary and Joseph. Thank you for Jesus. A Savior who's Christ the Lord. May we make haste and rush to meet Him in the Scriptures, to see Him by faith, and to live the life of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen.